Hello, welcome to Eyes for Ears, your ophthalmology OCAPS and board view podcast. We're your hosts, Ben Young and Andrew Powell. Just a reminder that these episodes are meant for medical education only, not to diagnose things on anyone's eyes. Each week, we take a high yield topic and talk about the why and the how. What are we talking about this week, Andrew? Today, we're talking about the AREDS vitamin trials for macular degeneration. Been a little bit since our last uh, episode on a study, and this is technically about a study, but also about those very, very uh, relevant management recommendations you make to patients with early moderate macular degeneration, right? Right. All right. So we'll talk about the results of the AREDS and the AREDS 2 trial. But I figured to start with, there's not much to remember clinically. So if you are a newer resident or med student, we can just start with that. Like if you were going to walk away with knowing something about how to make a clinical recommendation to the patient, what was that? So to keep it as simple as possible, patients with intermediate disease, and that's going to be stage three or four, which we'll define in a little bit, should take AREDS 2. Period. <laughs> if you remember that, then, I mean, you, you know what, what to do. So obviously we have to define what stage three and four macular degeneration is. So Andrew, can you tell us what stage three is? Sure. Stage three being intermediate disease is where there's either one of three things, three different criteria. One way of judging is, is if there's at least one large drusen, and large is defined by bigger than 125 microns. That you can remember a little more easily is that's just the size of a retinal vein. So go look at the drusen on your 90 diopter exam, then go look at the retina vessel at the vein and make sure it's not any bigger than that. If it is, consider AREDS. But it doesn't have to be that honkin' big if it's at least a drusen that's sort of between 64 and 125 microns, which would be between the size of the central vein versus the size of the branching retinal artery diameters. If it's sort of in between those two vessels in caliber size, but there's a lot of them, there's a bunch of those intermediately sized drusen, then that also yeah. qualifies and justifies the vitamin treatment. Yeah, 10 is the number of how many there's supposed to be, but I don't think it's useful to remember. Just there's a lot. If a patient has geographic atrophy, but it's not right under the fovea, and that's true for either eye, then it's also still worth using AREDS because even with that amount of geographic atrophy, as long as it's not subfoveal in either eye, it still counts as stage three intermediate disease. I think that helps, that leads us into what stage four is, which I maybe can be a little bit confusing. And stage four is advanced disease in one eye. So, and th- this is really what the whole point of AREDS is, which is to help prevent the advancement to advanced disease. But advanced disease is vision loss due to wet macular degeneration or geographic atrophy. So that means subfoveal geographic atrophy in only one eye. So if one eye has vision loss due to macular degeneration, essentially, then it's worth taking AREDS to prevent the other eye from progressing to advanced macular degeneration. And the... The, the I guess the second thing that I didn't remember, if you're going to remember anything about AREDS, is what, again, what the goal is. So it leads to approximately 25% reduction in the progression to advanced macular degeneration over five years. And again, advanced is wet AMD or geographic atrophy leading to vision loss. 
It, it's a helpful statistic to know, not just for tests, but also for patients, because a lot of people complain about, you know, the cost of the vitamin. It's not terribly expensive, but if it's something you have to keep on getting over and over, a lot of people will ask, well, just how much is this helping me? And I say, well, it's still our recommendation, but 25% reduction versus who knows if you have the means to keep on buying vitamins like this. It's up to them. Their yeah, decision. they're also they're also like big pills. They're like kind of yeah. annoying to take too. That's true. You know, so which can be difficult for some of our older patients for sure to like twice a day take these really large pills. So mm. I've got another random ambush question for you, Ben, with mm. regard to these criteria. Sorry, I've always wondered: Can I cheat and look for drusen size quantity of them using OCT? Like, yeah. does that also? <laughs> I think that's what most people would do nowadays. Honestly. Right. <laughs> I mean, the the faster way than doing an OCT is to look and then, and by this, just to like reinforce it, it's fairly common knowledge that these seemingly random numbers, 64 microns and 125 microns, being the cutoff between small, medium, and large struzen, are referred to the retinal artery and retinal vein diameter. But it's important to remember that. Because you know, if if you remember, if you think back, the normal ratio of retinal artery and retinal vein proportions is supposed to be two to three, but sixty four to one twenty five is definitely not a two to three <laughs> ratio. So the uh, one twenty five is for the central retinal vein, and sixty four is apparently the first branch of a retinal artery. So at that branching point, it's about sixty four microns. And if you look at pictures that like that hopefully will make a lot of sense. And you should be able to see all of that within like your OCT shot or or when you're looking at the macula. Yeah. But yeah, I don't I don't have, think there's any problem with using OCT to to grade it, especially if you have a picture, it's just easier to do it that way. Yeah, and you know, AWRIDS is just it's so important because once a patient develops geographic atrophy, there's really nothing that we can do. There's obviously a lot of money and trials going into looking into what we can do, but right now when geographic atrophy starts, it's like unstoppable to stop its progression. So, you know, the little ways that we can prevent it, um, and, you know, 25% is not that small of a way to prevent it, but, you know, AWRIDS 2 starting that and stopping smoking are really the biggest things that one can actually do to prevent a patient from going blind. So, okay, so that th- those are the basics to definitely know. Let's go into kind of the more of the details of what What's in these uh, vitamins? What's, what, yeah, what is what did the trials do and what's in the actual vitamins? You know, I think it's a benefit to talk about the doses. Like I've, you know, memorized the doses, but I don't think we really need to for test purposes. I don't really see a test question asking like how much of vitamin C is in AREDS 1? Is it 400 or 500? Gotcha. You know, I don't I have think seen, they would do that. I have seen practice questions do that. And then you're like, come on, really? Mm, but yeah. at least those multiple choice answers had different formulations, so you could kind of get the answer based on if you knew which thing was in which vitamin, right. as opposed to, and you could kind of ignore the doses, but it depends how mean they are. Yeah. I mean, practically why it matters is, you know, when, so the, the people who were in the ARID study were the, was the National Eye Institute. But they don't actually make the vitamin. You know, when the National Institute ran their study, they just used a vitamin that was made by Bausch and Loam. So, you know, when you tell a patient, hey, start AREDS 2, they go to the pharmacy and there's actually like a lot of different 
formulations that you can get if they go to Amazon. Like, I don't encourage you to look because it'd be kind of scary how many different things pop up when you search for AREDS 2. So knowing what the doses are so that the patient brings it in and asks you, hey, doc, is this okay? It may be a value for you to be able to separate snake oil with little, little extra tidbits thrown in just to make more money versus like the real deal. So that's my soapbox about why why it may be a value to memorize these things. I mean, you know, again, I've memorized them, but I'm a retina fellow. So I don't know if the average um, board study for ophthalmology needs to memorize them. Well, people do ask you, like in my even in my glaucoma practice, people will ask me, what's in those vitamins, doc? And you're like, uh, uh <laughs> vitamin E, <laughs> vitamin C. NIH magic, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's so, get into it. Let's yeah, yeah. What, just what's actually know it so you don't look dumb. <laughs> yeah. So ARIS-1 has vitamin C, vitamin E, beta-carotene, zinc, and copper. Now that's not the stuff you should be recommending to patients because it's ARIS-1. Right, and we'll that's talk about the, the difference. Point. Yeah. Yeah. But, and by the way, though, ARIS-1 is still very widely available in, the, in, in your common like drugstore. So mm-hmm. your patients may be taking it inadvertently or otherwise. And then ARIS-2... Also has vitamin C, E, zinc, copper. But then what do they replace the beta-carotene with, Andrew? They replaced it with lutein and zeaxanthine. Yeah, sure. Also carotenoids. So they're like very related to beta-carotene, but they aren't beta-carotene. Yeah. So let's go into that first. Why, why, what's the motivation behind switching from beta-carotene to lutein and zeaxanthine in ARITS 2? Uh, it seemed like it was helpful the beta carotene that is it seemed like it was helpful when it came to decreasing the risk for progression of macular degeneration at the cost of an increased apparent statistical risk of lung cancer in people who smoked so you know we want to fix this we want to help people with their retinal disease but we don't want to give people cancer <laughs> and for a while there people were like asking patients have you ever smoked before and cross referencing that but the safer thing seems to be just to not leave it up to chance or even their probably poor history reporting. Just swap it out. Yeah, because ARITS 2 show that lutein and zeaxanthin was not inferior to beta-carotene. And if you give them both together, like if you have a, you know, the mythical ARITS 3 that had all, <laughs> all component, you know, all three carotenoid infinity stones, it doesn't improve outcomes either. Yeah. So you can get away with just lutein and zeaxanthin and nix the beta-carotene, your outcomes will be the same. So the common elements here between ARIDS 1 and ARIDS 2 that didn't change are always vitamin C, vitamin E, zinc, and copper. But there are often questions about why is the zinc or why is the copper there? And I think that leads to your next point about the zinc. Is that right, Ben? Right. So zinc helps. Both ARIDS 1 and 2 show that zinc has some effect at decreasing progression to advanced AMD. So, so two points. One, in ARIDS 2, they found that we, can't, we don't actually know what the optimal dose of zinc is because they found that 80 milligrams of zinc and 25 milligrams of zinc, so reducing it significantly, had the same effect on reducing risk of progression. So, you know, that's why the ARIDS 2, a lot of ARIDS 2 formulations have only 25 milligrams. So I will say, again, if you go to the pharmacy, you'll see that a lot of the 25 milligram, sorry, a lot of the ARIT, quote ARIDS 2 formulations still love 80 milligrams of zinc. So just just FYI, but that's what they found about zinc. Mm. And then there is a theoretical risk that you could develop zinc toxicity from taking too much zinc. So what does zinc toxicity look like? 
The main thing is patients could develop anemia because zinc competes with copper in GI absorption. So, in, you know, there are patients who take zinc and um, end up with a copper deficiency, which leads to anemia. So that's why they also included copper in the formulation to try to prevent this. And according to the ABRITS trial, there wasn't like a significantly increased rate of copper deficient anemia in these patients. So it appears to have worked. And then I guess the last component of ARUD's note that we want to make is you might be tested on the question about whether omega-3 long-chain polyunsaturated fatty acids, they abbreviate as LC-PUFAs, that's a fun abbreviation, um, whether or not that has any effect. You know, there were some trials before ARUD's too that suggest that, hey, these high omega-3s may help in preventing progression of AMD, but they were found to not be beneficial, which is why you don't see omega-3s in the AREDS formulation. So I, I think that might be tested on because it was a big question before AREDS 2 was completed. Yeah, I've seen a lot of practice and test questions on that component yeah. as well. And you're like, I don't remember any long chain unsaturated acids. That's because there aren't any. Because it was proven not to be helpful. Yeah. So one more time, Ben, let's go through components that AREDS 1 formulations and AREDS 2 formulations have in common, just so we send people out with what's what one more time. Okay, so uh, here we'll just say the doses, and if you want to try to remember them. Uh, I don't have a fancy mnemonic for these, I apologize. AREDS 1 has vitamin C, 500 milligrams, vitamin E, 400 international units, I find, which equivalent, is equivalent to 273 milligrams, but I find Everybody 400 easy to remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, use, just remember 400 I use. Beta carotene, 15 milligrams. Zinc, 80 milligrams. And copper, 2 milligrams. So it's just kind of a splash of copper to prevent anemia. Yeah. And I'll take the AREDS 2 formulation. They didn't change the vitamin C, still 500 milligrams. They didn't change vitamin E, still 400 I use. They lowered the zinc from 80 milligrams to 25 milligrams, although as Ben mentioned, watch out on all your Amazon or other kind of off-market brand things, they might still have 80 milligrams and even something they still call AREDS 2. They kept the copper supplement to 2 milligrams, and then they swapped out the beta carotene with lutein, 10 milligrams of that, and zeaxanthine, 2 milligrams of that. Okay, last thing we'll go into is some even like kind of finer details. So I've been asked by patients often who have, especially the family history of macular degeneration, and they saw their their parents or whoever go through macular degeneration, either need injections really frequently or just go blind from geographic atrophy. And then they'll ask, hey, should I just start taking AREDS to try to prevent my progression to getting macular degeneration to begin with? or to prevent my progression from early macular degeneration to this advanced? So the official answer is no. And that is the answer I definitely give patients. And if I find I have a family history of macular degeneration, I won't take, I won't, I'm not going to take AROD's supplementation. Something to know, though, about the AROD study is the, quote, stage 1 disease patients, which are patients who only have a few small drusen, less than 64 microns in size. And as like another fun fact, I had not heard this before until I was kind of looking back at the studies. Apparently, for very small drusen, again, less than, less than 64, they can also be called druplets. Did you, have you ever heard this term? I have. I oh, thought. you've heard? Okay, I'd never heard a druplet before. I think it's adorable. 
Um, <laughs> anyways, so if you have a few droplets, which by the way can be, we can talk about in the macro generation episode, could be just seen as normal aging. Um, there, the number of patients that advanced and advanced that went to advanced disease during a study period of five years was just too small. There were like four patients after out of a couple hundred. So they weren't able to do any like meaningful statistical analysis on them, but but still the recommendation is not like is that it does not help. It doesn't have any clinically meaningful outcome to take these like kind of big old horse pills twice a day for those. The other question that can come up is what if someone has advanced disease in both eyes? You know, you might want to think of that as like a stage five disease or something where they have what AMD or geographic atrophy that causes vision loss in both eyes. These patients were not recruited into the ARID study, but the recommendation is also that they don't need the medications because, again, you know, I, I know especially as like a med student or as an early resident, you may have the kind of the conception that AREDs too is thought to like lower your rate of like your frequency of getting wet or slow down geographic atrophy, of which the study showed it did not do. So once they have advanced disease in both eyes, then there's also not a real point in continuing AREDs to supplementation, which can definitely come up clinically. For sure. And then something that I just find of a personal interest is, you know, kind of what motivated the history of the ARED study to begin with. You know, there's a big study in 1988 that showed that, you know, because this was one where I think they were still really trying to understand macular degeneration that was, you know, an incurable disease. And they showed that a diet rich in fruit and vegetables with vitamins A, you know, that kind of beta carotene and C was inversely associated with AMD. So that was kind of like a study that helped motivate uh, starting the ARED study, trying to look at what kinds of micronutrition may help prevent the the progression to advanced division loss and macular degeneration. So, and, you know, there are other studies that have occurred since then that's a, that agree with this, that a diet rich in fruit and vegetables with these, you know, micro supplementation, micronutrition may be helpful. So something that I, okay, this is more like a, a Ben thing. This is not a, a strict BCSE thing, but I still recommend, you know, plant-rich diet to those patients that are worried about developing macular degeneration or patients with macular degeneration. So this is like a really speculative thing. I really hope it doesn't sound too snake oily of me because, you know, it's not like big plant gave me money to, to to suggest this. But, you know, I think for myself and for patients, it's something that is I will say is not strictly evidence-based at this point, but I don't think it's full, harmful either to patients. I think it's reasonable to talk about, especially since when we're talking about stuff that is like an evidence-based based sort of episode – it's nice to know the historiography of stuff anyway. And I'll note that Bosch and Lom, we mentioned them as having this formulation. They were a collaborator in this NEI-funded study. So if you're wanting to know, like, industry, I guess, stakeholding in this, that was there from the beginning with this particular study. Right. So Ben's sort of just suggesting something of a alternate that Hasn't been thoroughly studied as much, but at least there's some suggestions there. I will leave all questions we get about that to you, buddy. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we're inviting a little bit of a hornet's nest with that, but you know, I, I really don't think a physician recommending a plant rich diet is, hope, is uh, hopefully too controversial. Deal. Yeah. You know, even if it ends up not helping a patient's eye health, which it, it may not, you know, I don't have. I don't think there hasn't been like a large trial looking specifically at that then. 
you know, at least their systemic health will benefit in some way from it. We, we argue, uh, we do this too in glaucoma, don't worry, Ben, like where we also are recommending green leafy vegetable diets based on kind of iffy evidence. But even if it's not that convincing, it's still good for people overall. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's all we have for this week. If you like what you heard, you can follow us on Twitter and iTunes at Eyes4Ears with the number four. We also have our website, www.eyes4ears.com with the number four. And if you like to support the podcast, uh, then a rating review on iTunes or wherever you found us is really helpful. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. See ya.